0: They're not a limited edition, but they're just going to be these rare things. And I know the Swatch Group executives are just sitting there waiting for them to go, you know, for double, triple the price on eBay and rubbing their hands together. Like, finally, us too. Look, it's very fun. Omega five years ago, I mean, Steam would have come out of their ears if you would have recommended it to them. They would have been like, what? $260 with Omega on it?
1: This week on a blog to watch Weekly with Rick and Ariel, Omega and Swatch launch a cut price Speedmaster, the Moon Swatch is it truly out of this world, or is it just languishing on a stage in Nevada? Elsewhere in Swatch Group world, Longines take the fight to tag and Tudor with the Zulu time, while Bulgari try to sell us the least metal at the highest price with the $450,000 ultra-thin. Meanwhile, back in normal watch world, we talk Turnout Grayville, and Citizen Promaster. Enjoy the show! Greetings, and welcome to eblog to watch Weekly. We are getting ready for... You know, the carnage of Watches and Wonders, and we thought it'd be a quiet run-in, you know, everyone would be holding back, and then a certain little company called Swatch Group decided, nah, we are not going to Watches and Wonders, I know what we'll do, we'll drop 11 new watches, on top of the already, I don't know, 13 watches they dropped two weeks ago. So Ariel, good timing, bad well, timing? Well, I think
0: that it's it's actually quite interesting, the Swatch Group does not have a show that it's officially presenting at. They've done a couple of little events here and there, and they just made multiple announcements across multiple brands leading up to Watches and Wonders. The big one now was, you know, a 260 US dollar watch that says Omega and Swatch on it. So I guess this is officially the cheapest Omega <laughs> Omega watch you can buy, which is which is great. And it's a plastic no, no, no,
1: no. It's a wow. bio ceramic. You know, stick to, stick to the pressure. No, releases. it's a it's, it's a bio-ceramic. good it's a good
0: material. Look, I, I've I have a, I have one of their bio ceramic watches. It's a it's a very decent material. Not luxury, but very decent material. Good colors they can hold. It's it's relatively durable. And they basically made a you know a bio ceramic, which is again ceramic and essentially castor oil plastic, uh, into a speedmaster. Same shape, forty two millimeters wide. You know, quartz you know at a quartz movement of course is it's, it is a swatch velcro kind of strap we have 11 different colors as as you said richard and they're fun they're fun colors they're homages to like hip limited edition Speedmasters or ones that have never been there's like a there's like a baby blue one and a pink one and kind of like an aquamarine one of course for earth so it's the funny thing here is we have an exercise in swatch root playing the hype machine They've done a collaboration. Yeah. Of course, it's with themselves, which is kind of hilarious. It's like, <laughs> 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 which ironic. And it's not expensive, but you know they're not going to make that amount. There's only a, uh, that many. There's only a certain number of stores around the world where you can buy them. That's yeah. Swatch stores, some Omega stores, I believe, though they're not officially saying that. They're not a limited edition, but they're just going to be these rare things and. I know the Swatch Group executives are just sitting there waiting for them to go, you know, for double or triple the price on eBay and rubbing their hands together. Like, finally, us too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I am exactly right. I think this is a race to see who can sell for what times uh, RRP between this and whatever Rolex releases. Look, it's five very fun. Time.
0: Omega five years ago, I mean, Steam would have come out of their ears if you would have recommend it to them. They would have been <laughs> like, what?
2: $260 with Omega on it? <laughs> I am I am genuinely surprised at the Why? price. Why it's a swatch? Yeah, but it's I
1: mean that does seem really cheap for something which does also have oh my god! You would have thought I mean because when I of the shape. I love how coming, like you're you're mystified yeah. by the
2: shape. You're like it's, you're like it, entranced. <laughs> that's the shape that's seven thousand two hundred dollars. Exactly that shapes a ten thousand dollar shape. Okay, but no one... It's dollars I mean, that's 200 quid. We've seen plastic Royal Oaks for years now. (laughs) No one's reacted (laughs) this way.
1: I genuinely don't know what to do. I mean, I I showed the articles and the Omega website to both my wife and to my niece who does the voiceovers uh, on the show, thinking, well, what do you... They're kind of my, you know... If I want to show them something to get an immediate opinion, an immediate hit-miss maybe... And they're like, oh, these are really cool. And I I think this genuinely does do probably exactly what Swatch wanted it to do, which is get folk interested in Swatch again. Because, frankly, I don't think many people care these days about Swatch. Not the way that as a kid from the 80s and 90s, you know, folk would queue and they'd watch what was going on and... Swatch was just everywhere. I think this could really be quite significant. Alright, so let swatch. me let
0: me clarify. Let me clarify what you're trying to say. I don't disagree. And there are exceptions, but for the most part, if you're an enthusiast like you and I, Swatch hasn't produced anything in the last several years that you want. The the rank and file yeah. swatch, like the three hand time only one, it's a loud, clunky watch. It's it's not that it's okay looking, but they haven't really updated it in a long time. The movement is loud. That annoys me. I think a lot of people are open-minded to Swatch, but they're like, Swatch, could you just be a bit nicer? And Swatch has tried to do that, admittedly. They've gone yeah. in sort of these weird directions where it's just been, I think, challenging for them to find that right mixture between entry-level and enthusiast grade. So here, they've sort of found a trick. And again, this isn't anything new. It's it's Swatch group is just you know playing a hand that others have before. I remember a decade ago you had this this brand ice watch and their business model was simple plastic versions of the rolex daytona that's it that's all it was that was the ice watch it was just plastic versions of the Rolex Daytona and all these different colors and things like that. And it, it made him it very big for a little while. So this isn't a new concept. This is just, you know, the, the entry-level version of the Speedmaster. What's weird, of course, is the branding and special homage tree You know, it reminds me of, of a lot of the Swatch Group annual reports. Every year they have these interesting graphic design themes. And there's a lot of humor in them. One year, my favorite one, they did a joke. They made satirical versions of all the cantonal seals. So all the the cantons in Switzerland have Uh this sort of like special seal. And they made satirical versions of the seals. I was like, oh, my God, it's actual Swiss humor. And
1: <laughs> we're going to we're going to make your flags funny. <laughs> no, they made a
0: Swatch watch. So the annual report had this wonderful graphics in there. And then they made a Swatch watch that had these satirical uh, seals on them. And I actually I bought this one. So I was like, oh, this is cool. But they haven't really done a lot yet. So this is sort of like the really playful side of Swatch finally coming out. And I think the last thing I'll say about it and what's kind of what I think is great for the conversation is, it, it, it came out exactly a week prior to April Fool's Day, and if this came out on April Fool's Day, it would have been a great, believable
1: joke. 100%. What I want to know is, for $260, will the straps off of these fit Actual Speedmasters because that's cheaper than buying an actual Velcro strap for your. I Speedmaster. mean, people are gonna
0: do that, of course. Most of the people that buy these are gonna be Speedmaster owners, I'm sure. Again, Swatch yeah. can't make too many of them, or else it does dilute the importance of their, you know, their luxury, you know, Speedmaster Professional Moonwatch. But they, you know, they make it's it's they're trying to make the Speedmaster uh, an icon unto itself they love that idea and uh this this could be a way of making it even more mainstream so i think swatch group has an interesting philosophical play here it'll be interesting to see how it works out over the next few years
1: it will be interesting to see if they produce them okay they're not going to be limited di- editions but whether some are rarer than others because i think this might start you know there'll be folk trying to collect them all and it will be like oh can you get the the sun version or the Mercury one, that's the one I can't find. I mean, I think we all. can
0: predict. I think we can predict the ones that are going to be the most popular and ones that aren't. I mean, the pink ones, just by definition, are going to be the more rare, for sure. But it, it goes it goes to be seen. I mean, I've already had people say to me, wow, I'd like one of all of them. And so I think there will be plenty of people whose aim it is to collect them all. And that, that that's going to be fun pursuit for people. So I think Swatch, you know, sort of weighed the pros and cons and said, hey, why the hell not?
1: And can I just say, could you not just have made it slightly more than 30 meters water resistant? I feel like I'm being personally trolled for permanent. What, wow, isn't, isn't
0: the standard one only like 50 meters or you know, something? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I feel
1: like that's bad enough. And then all they do the, is, you know, it, it's it's a booming battery, for goodness sake. You can just put a seal on it. Also, just to touch on what you were saying earlier about how loud swatches are, I wonder how loud these are. I wonder if these are really designed to be in space where no one can hear your swatch. Yeah, watch we'll,
0: t- we'll see. Look, I mean, we're we're days away from Instagram being freaking flooded with the people that ran to the store. The funny thing is here in Los Angeles, there isn't even a Swatcher that sells these, so I can't even get... Oh, is it right? No, I can't. San Francisco, I think, is the closest one. But anyways, it's neither here nor there. I'm sure I'll see plenty of these at events, and people will show them off like it's the next best thing, and we'll all smile, and that'll be that.
1: Yes. No, very good. So go and check that out. Uh, there'll be an article on the log to watch. All about it. You can go and decide which one is your favorite. Let's talk about the Bulgari.
0: David Breden from a blog to watch was with Bulgari in Rome in Italy, where I have yet to go. He's been with them like several times to Rome so far, and I haven't been one time. I, I need to go. But they showed off the new Octo Finissimo Ultra. I mean, a little lazy with the name, I'll admit, which is not just the thinnest Finissimo ever, but apparently the the world's thinnest watch the the movement and case together are like 1.8 millimeters thick there is a person out there that sort of fetishizes over the thinnest watch Bulgari and Audemars Piguet and of course Piaget uh, have all sort of fought there's been others in there you know uh, Vacheron's had some ultra thins and stuff like that but like Bulgari and Piaget, especially, have been like fighting head to head, and for a while nobody was competing with Piaget, and then Bulgari comes and just like knocks them out of the water in every category. Basically, that's not to say that Piaget's are bad; they're beautiful, and honestly, a fraction of uh, of a millimeter doesn't matter at all when you're actually wearing it. But in just in ensure bragging rights, Bulgari has wanted to assert Piaget in pretty much every category. And now they've gone so thin that doesn't have a crown in the traditional sense. It's a regulator by by necessity, meaning stacking. You know, two or three hands is just is too thick. It is nocto finissimo by design. The bracelet I think is actually thicker than the case itself, and you know, just uh, just don't sit on it.
1: Yeah, and yours for four hundred thousand dollars. I, I I don't Euro, oh, euros. Sorry, sorry. Sorry. Yes. What? What's that in? What's that in dollars? Half a million. It's more. Listen. I get the. I get the. You know. The bragging rights thing. I understand that this is
2: allegedly a lot more wearable than the Piaget.
0: Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: it's wearable. I've worn it. it you know. It's. When you say
0: not wearable, what do you As mean? As exactly? in, like
1: that? It was so delicate that actually you were within fear of your life of actually ever tightening it or you know just flexing
2: your wrist while wearing it through fear of popping everything out of the quartz crystal i was in japan where citizen released
0: the thinnest eco drive movement which was actually thinner than this this is the thinnest mechanical watch i should say and it's the eco drive one and it's one because it's one millimeter thick and it's a beautiful work of art what goes on in the process of miniaturization, whether it is an electronic movement or a mechanical one, is incredible, and it should be admired, and it's a pain in the ass, and it's hard, and these are incredible. Visually speaking, are they aesthetically amazing? Well, it depends what your perspective is, but they are visually awesome, because it's just hard to imagine them. Seeing the pictures, like marketing pictures, you know, online, really don't do it any justice. It was so great to see that, you know, in our article... David took plenty of pictures and it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. As Richard says, not everyone's into these. And I totally get that. Like ultra thin is enough. Getting the thinnest doesn't really enhance your experience. There's not like somebody out there is going to be like, is that the thinnest watch come to our club, come to our club immediately. Like that's not going to matter. It's like, like the, 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 the top 20, you know, or 30 thinnest watches are going to fit under any shirt sleeve. No problem.
1: I'm not sure about the aesthetic of having this uh, QR code on your $400,000 watch. I kind of
2: get it. Well, that's optional. Is it optional? I didn't realize that. So so you can pay it, you can pay it. And is it one of these options that costs you more to have less? Okay. They're making these one
0: at a time for 400,000 euros. You know that getting them to change the decor of a part
2: is nothing. Okay. Just turn the wheel the The other way up to reveal the backside of it with no QR code on it. What I think is funny is that Bulgari didn't think that the world's
0: thinnest mechanical watch was enough. They had to have like an NFT component. Like they had to throw that in. They were concerned people weren't going to pay enough attention.
1: The bracelet on this is a deployant clasp. Surely there's got to be a risk of over tightening this. You know, if it was on a if it was on leather with a buckle, that's
0: your that's your
1: worry. Well, my worry is I just don't know how you don't. I mean, I've never handled one of these. I've handled Octophenissimos and they're lovely. I've obviously never handled anything like this. But I handle metal all the time. And metal, when it's thin, is really quite flexible. I just don't understand how, when you put this on, and if you've taken, you know, when you're sizing it, if you've taken one link out too much... Just as the first guess of how you you big it sir used to
0: be. sound like you were you were meant to wear three handed panaray.
1: <laughs> oh, I wonder <laughs> what 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 might I have sitting beside me here on my desk. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, it's yeah. Like, no, thank you. That you know, you've just been you've just been categorized as a Panerai guy for good yeah. reason. I, I think <laughs> I think the the person that wants this
2: wants to baby it. You're like I couldn't ever baby it I enough. I drive a tractor with this watch on. Yeah, not for you, sir. Not for you, sir. That's okay. I, I think that's fundamentally okay. that's actually just my
1: issue is I can't wear this. I also do think it looks quite making it that thin makes it look quite big. I don't know if David's just got wee skinny chicken wrists. But it doesn't. It it looks like a big watch. It's a big square of watch.
0: I mean, that's just a visual illusion. David and I have more or less the same size wrists. You know, the Finissimo has always been kind of this broad, kind of flat thing. You can see how the lugs, you know, aren't amazing at at wrapping. So it's just the way way it is because it's so thin. I I think I think you'd think that it's it's a decent size. I don't think you'd think it was
1: too big or too small. So between this and my Panerai, you reckon I should stick to the Panerai? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I tried to do thinner, and it was just like, it didn't make any sense. People were like, why?
1: This week, we have a mystery guest. So mystery guest, come on down. Tell us who you are, who you work for. What is your business? I'm Bill Yao, founder of Mark Two Watches, and it's subdivision brand, Tornik Raybill. And what is it that you're releasing to the market today? <laughs> oh, bless you to, to whoever sneezed in the background there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry
3: about that. <laughs> no, we'll leave that in. The first watch from tournec Revo is the TR660, our evolution of the legendary TR900. That launched under a year ago. Later this summer, we'll be restocking the TR660. Later this week, we'll release our second watch under the tournec Revo brand.
1: Why this release? Why is the tournec Revo the focus for the brand that is Mark
3: II? One focus for the tournec Revo brand is to carry forward and evolve quintessential U.S. military watch references as if they were never discontinued. Our goal is to highlight the stories and ethos of the people that who made these watches what they are today through their actions. The TR-660 was the obvious place for tornik Rayville to start from given the history of the TR-900. The next watch is the first step towards our larger brand vision.
1: And what is the next watch going to be called? Because we're recording this before you release it, but it's going to be present by the time this episode goes out. So tell us a little bit about it.
3: The Paradive is making its appearance under the Tournec Ravel brand. It used to be a Mark II product and it is being rebranded as a Tournec Ravel product.
1: So where can we find these Tournec Railville watches, both the one that has been released already and the one that is to come? And how much will they be?
3: People can find all Tournic Rabel releases on our website wwwtorneck ravelus the first two watches retail at 949 us dollars plus shipping and handling
1: you've got two watches in the tournek ravel range the tr660 which is available when
3: the next batch of the tr660 will be available in late summer
1: And the new watch that's released on Friday, which zooming through time because we're recording this a Tuesday, but this goes out on a Friday. So it's sort of today. Is that for immediate availability? That
3: is releasing on, it released on Thursday and it is, we're taking deposits now
1: and deliveries will begin in the summer. So it's safe to say it has been released sometime during this week. Yes. (laughs) Irrespective as to when we're recording and when we're talking. (laughs) Good stuff. So, Bill, thank you for doing Who, What, Why, Where, When with us on a blog to watch weekly. So how are you finding the watch world just now? Would you define yourself, whatever a micro brand is? Is that how you would talk about yourself or...? Have you got a different way you would talk about the business?
3: I guess I would consider us a micro brand though, I guess one of the better established ones.
1: Yes. And so how is that market segment going at the moment?
3: For us it's going strong. One of our biggest issues is just syncing up our inventory availability to customer demand. But for us, a big part of what we do is provide, you know, attention to detail and quality. So we're emphasizing that, which has uh, made it challenging for us to make sure that we have the watches ready whenever people want them, hence the, the pre-orders.
1: Well, thank you again. And we will check in with you again, no doubt, when we see the new release and get hands on of it uh, sometime at A Blog To Watch. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. That was Bill from Tourneck Rayville, the TR-660. Now, you know Bill, I believe.
0: Bill and I go way back. We used to have a ritual where pretty much every Basel world we would connect. He would show me the latest MK2 which was the name of his brand, Watches, and we'd, we'd, we'd schmooze. And then I got busier, had a team. It was difficult to do that, and he'd send me watches every, once in a while. And Bill Bill's a great story. He's a watchmaker out um, in the Midwest in the Pennsylvania area, which is where there's actually almost uh, most of the watchmaking in America is up there. And he, um, he had a company where he modified Seiko watches, and he modified them to look like these famous old military watches and things like that that transitioned into him sort of making his own homages. And the funny thing was is in a weird sense he was kind of making replicas, right? He was like taking this old military watch. He wasn't copying the, you know, intellectual property or anything. He was making sterile dials. That was whole whole thing. There was no branding on them. It was just sort of emulating this watch that didn't have any like IP protection because they were, you know, intellectual property protection and they were popular. And it became a thing because he was just doing it sort of himself, not really many other people. He didn't have to charge very much. You got these like pretty high quality from like a, you know, a very detail oriented watch lover. Homage watches, military watches, which we know how popular, you know, vintage, you know, military watches are. All those Rolexes, that's what those all are. So they're super popular. So he was ahead of his time there. And somehow I actually don't know the story I have to catch up with him his brand has become this outfit Tornik uh, Rayville and they um they sort of carry that on and these are you know they're basically you know military sport watches they're they're all purpose land sea air sometimes they're they're mostly dive watch in style they have other functions like to be on a submarine or to be a paratrooper's watch but these are classic sport watches, and um, kind of like a Porsche 911, I think there's always going to be a market for stuff like this.
1: Yeah, I really like it. I wanted to talk about it because I just thought, you know, it's $950, bucks. it has got an interesting story, you know, there's a reason why, despite it obviously being brought back to life by Bill, there's a reason why this looks like a Blancpain of old, back in the day as I understand it from the article that Ben has written, the American military wanted a dive watch, but the American military decided that they needed to buy an American dive watch, and there wasn't such a thing. So the guy that imported Blancpons at the time, who had all the qualifications for the dive watch that the military, that the government wanted, let this local importer, whose surname was Tourneck, I believe, kind of tweak the Blancpon with his own brand name on it so that they could effectively pass it off. As American-made, and therefore qualify and get the contract to supply the ministry. But it was only for quite a sh- well, there you go. only for quite a short time, as I understand it. So finding and speaking to Bill uh, in and around finding original ones is just virtually impossible, hens teeth type things. Part of what he does and what he's developed, uh he's released this and there's more to come, as he said on, on the interview. So I think this is worth checking out. Ah, I think this is I think this is decent.
0: Yeah, it's 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 good stuff. It's not for everyone, but you know, he seems to sell out of most of what he's able to make. He's resisted the urge to sort of get too big and too brandy. It's very straightforward in what he does. And what I like it is that he's not trying to appeal to a bigger audience. Like it's just like, hey, yeah, these are homages of Old military watches, and that's what they are. There's like no weird hype, no fashion element, no celebrity. Just yeah, that's what they are, and that's what they cost, and and that's that's a beautiful thing, and that's uh, that's that's pretty uncommon in the space.
1: This week's sponsored post uh, is from a watch that you love, and a watch I seen you supporting. In fact, did you not wear this watch somewhere recently, some big show? Yeah.
0: So there's a interesting story that I help Citizen tell about. A modern watch that's based upon a watch from my birth year, which is 1982, so it's kind of interesting that I got to have time with a Grail watch. I don't think I ever would have seen Citizen actually sent me from their archives one of these original, uh, it was known as um, just the, the 1300 meter professional diver's watch. It was their first titanium watch um it was water resistant 1300 meters which was a big deal it was quartz so it was very accurate it represented the highest technology of the time and in order to make the case that water resistant it had to have this sort of squarish cushiony design that had these four big screws that would compress the case um ostensibly for water resistance and it was very modern looking in my opinion if you look at that watch at the time it feels like something that if it came out today, no one would be like, oh, that's that looks classic. It looks very modern. Seiko as well has done a good job at that. So between uh, Citizen and Seiko, they have these designs that are you know, now nearly 40 years old and look very modern contemporary today. So Citizen has a new EcoDrive Diver's Watch collection. They're like just over $500. Super titanium cases, so really good value. EcoDrive, of course really a lot of fun good value comfortable good budget proposition you know seiko has nothing at that price point that i think is as exciting as that citizen really owns that so it's interesting that we took a look at the original model it's interesting to see what a professional divers watch from 1982 was like and then compare it with the uh, the modern remake which is uh, surprisingly similar has some differences so um, that was a really fun time to be able to check out that watch so
1: you got to spend some time with the grail watch that makes me all feel nice and warm and fluffy
0: yeah i mean you know nobody has one grail watch you shouldn't have one grail watch but everyone just given their own circumstances have watches that mean a lot to them and they would just love to to, you know, of course own, but to see, touch, wear, just get to know a little bit. We have those watches that just have such a confluence of meaning to them that you're like, wow, that really defines me. And like if I wore that eighty two watch, you know, I could tell people a really cool story that, yeah, it, it defined me.
1: I assume you weren't allowed to take it swimming.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't there aren't that many of these. I used to like look around to buy one of these things. They're unbelievably rare. They rarely come up. And as is the case with most vintage citizen sport watches, they're in terrible condition because they've been used. Same with the Seiko, same with the Casios, the Japanese sport watches, they're used, they're loved, but the the old ones are in awful condition comparatively speaking, with the Swiss ones, of course, you did have people that use them, but they're in such better condition. It just goes to show that the people that were wearing them were really babying them. And
1: uh, the one you had there, the original ProMaster was a left-hand drive. Were they all left-hand drives? Or is this just the one they happened to have was a left-hander?
0: Yeah. So I think they were all uh, lefties. And that was because of the crown placement and not wanting to, to damage it. It was just the easiest thing. In the modern sense, you're right, they made it a right-handed crown, but uh, yes, all, I think all the originals were and left. And that doesn't
1: either. offend your historical accuracy, You're right? Oh, how could you? How, you? You've ruined it by putting
2: it on the right-hand side. There's a bunch of differences. It doesn't even have the screws on the yeah, case. Yeah, I did notice that. I, thought, I think that's a bit of a shame. Yeah, I mean, they just wanted to have a one-piece case. I get it. Oh, well, It
1: certainly has plenty of personality, I'll grant you that so go and check out the citizen ecodrive pro master uh so this one's two this one's 200 meters as opposed to the original 1300 meters one so yeah don't 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 go deeper than 200 meters folks i I know you're all be really tempted to dive to the real deep end of the pool
0: well the funny thing is right now i'm actually wearing a a different citizen uh, dive watch it's one of their later latest generation mechanical ones it's also i think um, I took it off for a moment here. I can't find it, but I think it's also 200 meter water resistant, but they, they've got a lot of these. So they have these, you know, the solar power eco drive ones and now they have mechanical ones. And so citizen is now inhabiting a space that in a lot of ways uh, Seiko is actually moving out of, which is sort of the
2: sub-thousand-dollar mechanical dive watch space. Uh, I don't think they quite promote themselves well enough. I guess that's why they've got a sponsor post.
0: C- Citizen, I mean, look, this is a, a, a weird thing to say. If you just bought Japanese watch brands and that's all you ever bought as a watch collector, you'd be very happy. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the Swiss stuff has a different style to it for sure but like you know i love japanese watches so much you know i'm so into them just as a category under themselves yeah, i
1: mean i have my original citizen sitting beside me which is from 1986 87 which is the citizen robot face digiana which i don't know if you remember that one but yeah love citizen watches always love them always been a favorite brand of mine so check out this one lawn jeans as part of swatch group have also come out with something new this week to me this screams hey tudor look at what we can do and this is the Longines spirit zulu time watch
2: you don't you don't see the uh the tag Hoyer your oh yeah okay yeah it's yes i i I guess i think
1: tudor because i think g i I always think gmt when i think tudor just because that's my favorite tudor uh, watches but yes i can see the octavia but there, there is the octavia gmt yeah but does anybody say does anybody buy tag these days i don't know no
2: that's unfair tiger actually having quite a good a good time recently I, I guess they're not that strong in your neck of the woods but they're popular out here in southern california I mean, i'll tell you tag that. Is
1: pretty ubiquitous in scotland right if you go to any area where there's a preponderance of watch shops there's going to be a tag retailer there so you're
0: just, you're just being I'm a bit just being snobby. A snob. Yeah, that's, that's okay, that true. Okay.
1: So I'm seeing this, I'm seeing Tudor. You're seeing this, you're seeing tag. That just says something about you and something about me. Yeah, I can't help that.
0: Well, okay. So I, I sat with the CEO of Longines a couple of weeks ago here in Los Angeles. Uh, I saw this watch a little bit before it came out. Very nice. I have to say that when the Swan Group wants to make a great watch, they really know how to. This thing has it all. It's a great finish. It's got a like detachable bracelet system, ceramic bezel, applied hour markers. It's handsome. It's classic looking. It's got this new movement, which is really a true GMT that that, that really follows in you know sort of the the, the Rolex GMT Master style. It's got 72-hour power reserve. It's very accurate. It's a chronometer. Not everyone's gonna love this particular colorway with this sort of green and gold. It's cool. It's not for everyone. I'm pretty sure more versions will come. A
1: blue, there is a blue. There is both a blue and a brown.
0: Oh, right. The blue one is where. Look, it's 3000 bucks, right? It's a very strong value proposition. It's about, you know, there's nothing else out there at this price point that gives you more. You know what I mean? Like the Tudor for the same quality actually costs a little bit more. So Longines is, is beating Tudor now. I really think they did a good job here. Look, on the same time, looking at the completely other way, if you like super exciting watches and wild stuff, this is going to be like, okay, this is a great watch for dad or grandfather or something like that. that. That That's the worst criticism you can make that it's very classic. It plays it very, very
1: safe, which it does, but it's it's handsome as heck. Yeah, it's, lo- uh, it's, it's lovely looking. I uh, really like it. I think the blue one in particular uh, is stunning because it's, it appears to have a little, the GMT hand I think is orange. I think it's orange rather than red, and I'm a big fan of orange on watches. But the applied markers, the raised markers, I've not seen a loom shot of this. I assume the loom on it will be pretty impressive with the applied markers. But for just under three thousand dollars over here it's gonna be what, two and a half, two seven?
0: I mean it's gonna it's gonna do well. They're gonna have to market it. They're gonna have to put some, you know, Advertising steam behind it, but this movement and this concept, I think they can go even more elegant. I think the case is like very sporty, very masculine. I can see them rounding it a little bit because I think that there's sort of an elegance to longines, and i, I maybe you remember uh, around the early two thousands, Mont Blanc had what I call these, like, gentleman sport watches. It was, like, the the Diver and, you know, uh, the Chronograph, but they were, like, in their, you know, the gentleman font. I love that, and I think that Longines could move a little bit away from vintage sport watch back into gentleman's sport watch, which is a slightly different thing. You know, Piaget does it at a very sort of high-end level. Many others do. But I think at the $3,000 level, there's very few gentlemen sport watches out there. And I and I think that's a category. bombay Mossier used to be very strong in that category.
1: I mean, probably Longines with the Legend Diver is something else also in that kind of category. Just a classy, classic looking watch. That's,
0: that would be a gentleman's, uh, gentleman's sport watch. But still also very, you know heritage yes
1: i'm a big fan of the hydro conquest so long jeans to be fair to them are for the watch geek in and around that kind of two to three grand mark are lining up a pretty decent range because the hydro conquest's only about 1500 quid for the for the you know the entry level version of it so hydro conquest the legend diver the zulu time you know Probably a pilot's watch or something of that coming out next year. It gives them just a really nicely rounded, rounded range in at the level just below Tudor, maybe with slightly better brand recognition than the likes of maybe Oris, but uh, competing for that kind of uh, that kind of dollar. So
0: I mean, Longines is a strong brand in a lot of markets. Amazing amount of heritage. Um, The CEO is relatively new. He started in 2020. His predecessor had been there for over 40 years. He was an incredible person, but had been, again, he was from a different generation. So we have a superlative show with him, Mr. Breshon. uh, That is going to come uh, in the coming weeks, and that's an interesting interview talking about the Zulu time as well as other things so that'll be an interesting supplement for everyone who wants to hear more about what's going on with launching
1: stuff and just as ariel mentioned that do check out the superlative podcast that's ariel's one-on-one interviews with the legends uh, of the watch world so go and check out the superlative podcast you're listening to this most probably on the spending time channel do also like and subscribe to a blog to watch weekly directly and if you do that via Spotify, you can also interact with the show. You can send us messages, take part in the Watch of the Week polls that we put up there. So do follow us directly at Above of Watch Weekly. The last thing
0: that was relatively big news this week and is a return to high-end courts, which I continue to say is going to have a big comeback. Just, just you know, w- watch out. It's coming. Not every single one's going to be success, but here you have a watch that that Marie Sokoa debuted in Miami, and uh, Ed Ree from the Blog2Watch team was there, and uh, we're going to get some hands-on coverage of this watch soon, so probably by the time you're listening to this, that might already be available. It's called the, the Icon Tide, hashtag Tide. Not really a huge fan of it, Tide, because that is one of the terms related to this type of plastic which is made from recycled uh, plastic from the ocean so it's recycled plastic but you but made from plastic which has been collected from the ocean so it has sort of this feel-good message behind it it is the icon in a bunch of different colors for men and women it's under a thousand dollars we've seen this trick before we've seen the it's a luxury watch brand it's a uh, inexpensive to make product done well but for a very premium price right if this was a no-name brand there's no way they could get away with charging this amount of money for this product this is nicely made and it's a real maurice Cra, but it is you know a, a less expensive to make concept than their several thousand dollar mechanical watches and they're charging a premium price for it and again i think that this market is going to come back strong it was very popular in the 1990s in the early 2000s very very popular and Maurice Lacroix was a, a brand that was very strong in department stores and things like that has history in this area I think they want to try to make this come back and I think that given disposable income levels this is what luxury is going to be an 800 $900 watch not a $9,000 watch which all these brands hope for so I think Maurice Lacroix is being very practical it's got that feel-good message of sort of sustainability and recycled pra- uh, plastic. For me, what's more important is the packaging actually has made is made of recycled stuff and is um, I think it's a mug or something like that, like something meant to be reusable. So it's, you know, I think they've done a lot of things right here. So I think what you're seeing is a new generation product that just has a lot more thought put behind it. Not everyone's been successful, but this isn't the sort of shooting in the dark that we saw up until just a few years ago.
1: I think you've got to feel a bit sorry for Maurice Lacroix to have released this on the week that Swatch and Omega then release something even more classic than the Icon case and release it for a third of the price for what's effectively the same concept, luxury plastic.
0: Yeah, that's an excellent point. And, um, you know, you you, you never know who knows what. But I think what goes to show is, yes, it's kind of funny who released before who. But both of these companies had put a lot of effort into essentially the similar concept, which is the luxury plastic watch. And so I think we're going to see more and more of this.
1: So, you know, let's say I'm a person who buys lots of 3, 4, 7, 10, $20,000 watches. Do you get a bit fed up eventually? And do you just go, actually, you know what? I could just buy 11 watches, all different colours. It's the summer. I can share them around. My girlfriend can wear one. I can give one to my brother to wear. My mum can have a shot of one. And you just kind of spread it around. It does appear that there is some sort of zeitgeist that the likes of Morse Lacroix, the likes of Omega Swatch others are identifying and are building building a market for
0: yeah yes and again i agree but i've I've been seeing this long enough to understand the genesis of some of these trends it begins with the notion where brands ask themselves okay how do i sell something in volume and having sort of a hyped thing is one strategy if you're successful at it and what they noticed is that the watches they sell Tend to be too expensive to be hyped objects. It's just too expensive, right? So they want to get in to those price points where much larger volumes can be done. Now they're luxury brands, right? So they can't just lower their prices. So they have to come out with some type of fundamentally different product, which is like you know their Chanel plastic sunglasses. Yes, you know yep, what I mean. Yep. So and that's that's essentially what what you're seeing here. It's like sort of an entry level to the brand. People are hoping that these price points will be more attractive to people who want an alternative to their smartwatches and that's leisure time. If you're wearing a luxury watch 20% of the time, not 100% of the time, you're not going to spend as much on it. You want to have the personality and fun, but you know, you're know you not going to spend too much on it. Plus, the brands also need to maintain the value proposition of their metal watches with mechanical movements. So pricing them lower makes sense, and they can't have them be steel, even though they could still afford to do it. So there's a lot of weird political reasons why they... Are the materials they are and are the prices uh, that they're at but again if successful i think that the brands are correct realistically speaking there's more people out in the world today who for them this is a luxury watch than those who can spend three or four or five thousand dollars.
1: yeah so let's just examine that a little second so can we consider or is it possible for us to decide if you like or is it just that beauty is in the eye of the beholder is this Maurice LaCroix and the equivalent from Omega Swatch, are they luxury products?
0: Well, yes, because it's aspirational and it's unnecessary and it's a status symbol. So the idea is that if you can't afford to wear the actual Speedmaster, What you can do is wear an official emulation of it, because I call it a toy. It's basically a toy Speedmaster. Um, And it shows that I have Speedmaster values. I like Speedmaster history. I like the style of it. Maybe I don't want to wear the the high high-end one because i have other luxury watch tastes or i can't afford it yet but i identify as a as a Speedmaster guy or gal it has a value there so it is aspirational in in, in that regard
1: and do you think any of the other big brands like who's gonna follow this trend You know, so you can kind of understand how Omega Swatch can do it just because of Swatch. Everyone,
0: everyone, Chopard could do it. I mean, look, Technomarine was this amazing concept because they married diamonds and plastic. Like, it was shocking. Like, the community was like, how did you do it? And there was, like, these $1,200 diamond plastic Technomarine watches that were selling Because something about the
2: Zeitgeist liked that blend of, like, G-Shock with diamonds, and it kind of worked. Could we see something from an AP or Heaven Help Us, a Rolex? Uh, into this it's too early to say it's too early to say we don't yet have an established market here at
0: all these are safe projects this is just a plastic version of the icon they probably ordered several thousand cases and you know they'll make a decision in the future if they want to do a reorder Um, these are not expensive to make so this is not a huge uh, commitment plus these can be sold at volume these can be discounted you know there's a lot of things that they can do with something like this Swatch, you know, it, it's, it's a marketing exercise for them as much as it is selling to make money. Remember, they have to keep volumes low, and these are low price points. So Swatch and Omega are, numerically speaking, not going to make a lot of money. I'm sure this entire thing uh, may never actually pay for itself unless they make these things for 5 to 10 years. I mean, think about how much it costs to do all this, just the internal meetings they had to make it happen.
2: I'm, millions of dollars so far. Okay, plus they had to make new molds and all these types of things. Do you think that they've told the little team of watchmakers in
1: Omega that hand-assemble the 3 one movement? Or do you think they've locked them in a room for the last 72 hours so that they don't see this particular release and, you know, go and strike or walk out or something?
0: Look, it's... It's one of the most Swatch Group things I've ever <laughs> Absolutely. seen because I understand the strategy behind it. It's it's kind of like a diabolical move, <laughs> you know. It, it, <laughs> the The part I love is on the Omega website. They mention this. So it's obviously a Swatch product, really, but it's co branded, and of course, there's a they discuss it on the Omega website. And there's like some statements from Reynold, the CEO. And of course, Reynold has to defend this, glorify it while also protecting the luxury nature that is Omega. This is part of his responsibility. And he, you know, he's obviously thought about this and he uses the word playful. They refer to Swatch as plucky. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> our our plucky little Swatch, you know, it's like the little sister always playing tricks. Oh, she's just doing something cute and funny all the time, isn't she?
1: Cute and adorable. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, that's sort of the way that they refer to Swatch here. It's like, we let our little brother, you know,
2: make a version of the Speedmaster. It's so adorable. We wanted them to sell it as a toy. We gave him the crayons and let him loose. Yeah. It, so if you're a brand CEO of
1: another Swiss or even Japanese brand, which brand are you that's looking at this going, hmm, we've got a watch we could do this with. Okay, look, you have to understand,
0: Casio makes... These classic versions of their products, some of them are new, but these are watches are like $30 and the ones that for like $260 have like full metal bracelets and stuff like that. And so like this is still a luxury priced plastic watch. Let's not forget that. We just compare it to actual Speedmasters and we're like, damn, that's a good price. But these are the price of expensive sneakers and there's 11 of them. And Swatch knows that there's going to be a lot of people that want every single
1: one. I, I want to see a plastic navi timer personally. I, I think I think that's the way to go.
2: I think Bright I no, Brightly no, need to get into this game. No, they they did. <laughs> Brightly did get into this game. What do you think the endurance? Well, Pro yes, is? okay, but it's slightly more than two hundred and sixty dollars. It's three thousand. <laughs> but what 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 the they're
0: proven is that you could actually go that high. That's how fun the concept is of the toy the toy toy style true uh, you know, luxury sport watch. True.
1: Well that's it for this week. Thank you for joining us. Are you limbering up? Are you doing your lunges and stretches getting ready for the flight? Have have you checked out what the films are available on the flight to Geneva?
0: No, but I was just on that flight a few weeks ago, so I feel like I've already seen all the good ones
1: uh dear to me. so when do you
2: leave because you are actually going to something beforehand
0: Yeah, so we are going to see some new watches from Breitling
2: they are are exciting uh
0: I'm not allowed to talk about what they are but they're going to be marketable
1: you can exclusively reveal Breitling are not introducing a plastic watch
0: you know I don't know they might show us some special things <laughs> we do know that they the endurance pro is um a popular one. So you never know when something new could pop up. A new aerospace is probably around the yes. corner. We don't know when they're going to decide to launch it. So they could do a plastic version of that one. The car I'm sorry, carbon. carbon. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll give it a name. It'll be bright carbon or something. <laughs> It'll
1: be something omega steel bright carbon
0: but i think that we're gonna start we're gonna see probably more of this stuff after watches and wonders so i don't know what we're gonna do next week hopefully you'll be with us in geneva but if there's any lag on the show we will make up for it with uh
2: lots oh uh, yes there'll be be
1: plenty of content you'll you'll be sick to the back teeth of us but yeah next week uh, all the fun stuff starts a blog to watch will be at the very first meeting with rolex so if you want to find out what's happening first then uh, certainly check out the instagram account because that's where we'll all be happening and obviously the website and we look forward to speaking to you then so ariel where can people find you on the internet
0: well uh, you should go to a the a blog to watch Account on Instagram, my personal account, REL to watch, and we have even more things. But that's a good place to start. stepping.
1: You find me at at Rick TikTok if you are interested. So that's it from us. Goodbye.
0: Bye everyone.